2: Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB the CV, copyright 2024, próximo. Jersey City, New Jersey, please drink responsibly.
3: Ronda Sanctimonious with his high
0: heels and his bobblehead bullshit, you know. He looks like a bobblehead doll. Goodbye, meatball run. That horrifying weirdo smile. Your white house dream just bit the dust. But it was doomed right from the start. (laughs) Come back to Tallahassee. It's time for punching down again can kick up your high heels and sink those fingers and put it in. No, not all that's BS. Totally BS. And it seemed to me your whole campaign was like a fart upon the wind. And it's fitting that you have to kiss Trump's ass again. And now Casey will have to go back and do TV And though you said never back down, the chances of that are zero. We knew you would eventually Your wretched whiny toddler voice now falls upon deaf ears, although you're probably vain and dumb. Try again in four years. The last thing we need to do is to monkey this up.
4: You're goddamn right, Meatball. Well, Roy, you're... Your boy, me, Paul Ron, is that? Uh, no, of, is no, out no, the no, race. no. Do
0: not, no, no. Do
4: not curse me like that. He is not my boy. Thank you. My <laughs> Let me tell you that right now, in front of this camera, he is not my boy. So, one of the two mats here at Matt O'Lark and I had a bet, but we couldn't remember what the bet is. First, it was whether or not Ron DeSantis would enter the race at all which I clearly won. And then I think we went double or nothing on how long he would last in the primary. And he lost that bet as well. We just couldn't remember what the bet was exactly. So I've had an idea that DraftKings should have like a gentleman's bet kind of section of the app where you can memorialize for entertainment purposes only, you can memorialize the bets that you make with friends, so that you don't, you know, you don't forget what the terms are and, and what the expiration date is and everything. So I'm going to patent that immediately.: yeah, warm that I idea, Billy. Tim Miller is a political consultant, a writer at-large at, at the bulwark.com co-host of the next Level podcast, and the author of the best-selling book, "Why We Did It." a travelogue from the Republican road to hell. He was previously political director for Republican voters against Trump and communications director for then Florida governor Jeb Bush's 2016 presidential campaign. Please clap. Which went about as well as the current Florida governor's presidential campaign. Actually, to be fair, Tim, Jeb made it through South Carolina, as I recall. Thank you. So it did not go... Quite that poorly, but I don't know. did you have some bets with friends too, about how long Ron was going to the last in the primary, and did you win, or who won?
5: I'm just happy you'd uh, discuss that little gentleman bet section so I could kind of get my emotions back together i was I was uh, you know it was getting a little dusty down here in my studio watching the tribute to Ron de and <laughs> uh, his campaign um, i did I did not have any actual formal bets. But I did just absolutely own, you know, all of my still Republican consultant friends um, who who were very confident in Ron at the beginning of the effort, and you know, thought it was thought it was a fifty-fifty shot, um, which I thought was absurd from the start, and uh, it was clear by what uh, you know, I think New Year that uh, that this thing was not going to happen. New Year last year, thirteen months ago, this wasn't going to happen for him. So what happened here?
4: I mean, in addition to all the you know, political faux pas in this race. Why did he stay in so long? Is this just the classic consultant cowboys, like political grifter class? You're so smart. You're so handsome. You're so tall. What's the equation? Yeah, no no cowboys,
5: stubbornness, face saving. You can talk yourself into stuff. And I I was out covering Ron in Iowa in July. I took a photo of his event. It was one of the saddest events he'd been to. There were like 12 people there. I did kind of feel a little bit bad about this because Donald Trump ended up using my photo in one of his press releases um, (laughs) later. And I was like, I don't want to accidentally be helping Donald Trump here, but uh, it was really sad seeing Ron uh, awkwardly try to talk to the 12 people at this little... I, I, kind of diner type vibe thing in, in Iowa. And at the time, I talked to a couple of the super PAC guys, you know, who were standing around. There were more staffers there than people. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, what is happening here? And they were at the time saying, we don't really know what's going to happen with all these Trump investigations, right? Like, it's helping them now, but over the long term, maybe that'll change. Maybe voters will change their mind once the fourth indictment happens. Maybe i will actually have an ankle bracelet on and we'll be able to get some delegates. So I think that that was in the back of their head for a while. And then and then I think there's a face saving ego element after a while of, of not wanting to drop out before Iowa. But now Nikki Haley is the kind of choke on a cheeseburger
4: candidate at this point. Right. Like she she's the last person standing who's like in the event that something happens to Trump legally or physically or otherwise. Like she is going to be the nominee. I don't know that I would have taken that bet. I would have thought that Ron would have would have been the last you know, primary challenger standing.
5: Yeah, well, I think that part of the reason for that is that, as you uh, alluded to in the beautiful music video, uh, that Ron thinks that he has a chance for 2028 still. Hey, um, I, I find that preposterous based on his candidate skills, though I will set enough, You've noticed he's had a couple of like, borderline human social media posts in the last week. Uh, his skin is looking a little better. There's like a selfie video of him and his ch- kid, talk, you know, talking about the football games this weekend. And, I, I you know, it, it didn't seem like it was, you know, he was in the uncanny valley between human and automaton uh, in the video. And so uh, who knows what the future could bring. Nikki is just not like, look, the party is MAGA now. Like the party from my era when I was a Republican consultant in the aughts in the early 2010s is just gone. I like the the Republican voters are not interested in any voter or excuse me in any politician that kind of smells like George Bush that looks like that feels like that they're from the George Bush era. They do not want someone that's going to even talk about compassionate conservatism whether or not they live up to it. Like they want MAGA. They want full MAGA and if Trump chokes on a cheeseburger Fingers crossed. I, like they're going to find somebody else that's full MAGA, and I think Nikki recognizes that, and so she has a little bit more room to kind of do a kamikaze. Who knows? You know, let's give this a shot. A campaign because I, I, you know the the party's not coming back to her in four years. What does George Bush smell like? No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to answer that. Question. Well, paint, hot uh, <laughs> dogs, chewing, paint. chewing tobacco, paint, war know? crimes, um, the usual. Yeah. yeah. So
4: well, let me ask you this though. Where is Jeb? Donde está Jeb? Why he showed up to like I think DeSantis's announcement. Why wasn't he more vocal in his support?
5: I, don't, I mean, for the reason I just laid out, I don't think that Jeb helps DeSantis having him on board, <laughs> uh, at least in a primary setting. I, you know, one of my co-hosts on the Bulwark podcast used to tease me and said, like, if you mark the time that Jeb quasi endorsed DeSantis and, and look at his poll chart from there, it was all downhill from that endorsement. <laughs> so I, I don't really blame it on Jeb. But, um, I, yeah, I, I think that he recognizes that these vo- the voters are ready to move on um, from the Bush party. Um, uh, the literal answer to your question is it's his 50th anniversary. Coming up soon Which he'll be Celebrating in Mexico Uh, We were emailing About that the other day And you know I think he's in high spirits He's golfing He's going to yoga He's hanging out With Columba Uh, You know His life is Is pretty good Uh, He doesn't have to Pretend like You know He needs to suck up To Donald Trump uh, To have a future Like these other assholes Please clap So Thank you I
4: do On that same Note though I understand Why the electeds Have to like You know Kiss Trump's Ring and the maga grifters, Ma- yeah. Well, the maga grifters, you know, yep. have make a living from it. But what about the people outside of the government? Where are some of these more establishment, old school conservatives? So we hear from of all people, Dick Cheney, every once in a while, who speaks out against them. But like, and I guess we're kind of waiting for Mattis and you know Kelly and Tillerson, maybe some of those people who serve Trump and know better. But like this. Election cycle, or are we going to hear from like some former real conservatives or old school GOP people going, like, what the hell are we doing?
5: That is a totally fair critique and one that I share for this primary. And I've been fucking ranting about it. For weeks now months uh, nobody even put up a concerted campaign against trump i i, I don't know that it would have mattered really i know mean, it would have mattered obviously if, if 10 more republicans had the balls to convict him in the senate and had old man mitch like whipped votes to convict him and uh, from the second impeachment then trump would have been barred from running but after they failed to do that i don't know if you know all the old wise men coming together to campaign against trump in this primary would have made a difference but it was worth a try it was better than doing nothing. But what, about in, the sitting, ge- what about in the general? Sitting around and just letting him win. What about in the general campaign against him? So I, I know I have friends and 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 others in the Never Trumper world. We're organizing and we're going to be organizing as many of these guys that have the backbone to do it, to do ads and campaign against Donald Trump here in the general election. And I think that that will include some former Trump officials and it'll include some old Bush era folks. But um, what well, that's something that we're going to be working on. And I, I mean, I don't know, man. I'm so there's so many of them have let me down so often in the last eight years. I'm not getting my hopes up, but I do think that they will be we'll have some. Yeah.
4: Made an interesting point earlier, made several interesting points. The one I wanted to circle back to was about the idea that. DeSantis thought he was going to run as like the Trump, but with policy chops as if the Republican base in a primary gives a shit about policy chops, you know, because when you think about it, agree or disagree with what it is that DeSantis has done here in the state of Florida, a lot of it is the Jeb Bush blueprint. I mean, the quarter century effort to destroy the public school system, you know, develop Christian madrasas here in Florida, Magatav, he's he's achieved much of that extraordinary vision. And even some of the culture war shit goes back to Terry Shivo, which was, I think, the most embarrassing moment in the history of one of the most embarrassing moments in the history of the state, certainly in the political career of Jeb Bush. But the idea that Republicans were looking for someone to make a case for conservatism or make a case for like, I actually can achieve these policy ends when you go to a a Trump rally and they can't tell you what policies they agreed or liked about the first Trump
5: administration. Right. I mean, it's all just grievance. I totally agree with your political analysis. I guess I'll say that first about what the MAGA voters want. I, it is it is positional. It's cultural. It's owning the libs. It, it's who's going to be the big middle finger against all the people that I hate, whether that's elites or Democrats or gay teachers or immigrants or Disney, I, whoever it is this week on Fox. that People are mad at they want somebody that can best channel that anger and grievance. And and DeSantis is like lame attempt to try to do that, you know, through policy obviously wasn't going to work Trump because Trump is the visceral. Middle finger uh, that these people have. So, uh, you know, and look, I, I think that, yeah, th- this was the interesting thing about the DeSantis and Jeb dynamic. Uh, you know, if we're just being serious about their policy, like behind the scenes, like the, the, the DeSantis that was not on Fox News did have a lot of similarities with Jeb. And that included some of the more conservative policies you laid out, like education. It also included like DeSantis wasn't horrible, like Everglades stuff and, and, and um, you know, other environmental stuff, just like Jeb wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a thing that he led with when pitching himself. The big difference between the two of them was DeSantis tried to do the performative MAGA crap. You know, you never would have had Jeb sending some immigrant on a plane to Martha's Vineyard to piss off the librarian or whatever, you know, to try to trigger the librarian. I and mean, that was really how DeSantis just tried to distinguish himself. And he just wasn't very good at it. And he just came off as being cruel. And and Trump, as cruel as he is, has kind of this whatever people find him funny. And uh, and, you know, he, he can do it with a little bit of a wink. And like DeSantis is, is like not capable of doing that as a uh, and I think that is a big part of the reason why he ended up just not wearing well with the MAGA voter.
4: Yeah, it's a cult of personality. You're not going to win in that kind of primary. Last question before we go. You were a comms guy, political consultant. This strategy that DeSantis had in this primary of, you know, we know Trump's going to punch down. That's what he does. But then DeSantis punching down. How are you going to (laughs) win? You're you're not going to win that fight. But you made a point earlier about Ron DeSantis apparently has taken over his own Twitter account and uh, there's this dark DeSantis character now that's actually like, I'm wondering as a comms guy, where the hell was this guy? We're showing uh, uh, for those listening, we're showing a tweet right now where Politico was reporting that some Florida Republicans want taxpayers to pay Trump's legal bills. And this was a bill introduced by Ileana Garcia, a woman who only won in Miami because of legitimate election fraud. Someone who was actually charged over this. So she files this bill. Jimmy Patronis supports it. And Politico runs this. It's some Florida Republicans want to spend five million dollars to help defend Donald Trump and pay his legal bills. And Ron DeSantis retweets this with a subtweet, but not the Florida Republican who wields the veto pen badass I mean like it's pretty like, good what's, what's that headline when the worst person you know makes a good point you know kind of thing like
5: pretty good meatball I, where it was <laughs> this? I agree look I, I said this from the start I, I was I was bullish on DeSantis for about a month in November of 2022 and, and the theory of the case I had a lot of reporters called me and they said just I know you hate Ron DeSantis I, I, you know don't say all the shit that he did that was noxious Is I, I've never liked him but like what advice would you give him if he called you and, and after the midterms I said look I think that he should have Immediately start the campaign right now. Donald Trump is a loser. Donald Trump is a weakling. I can actually give you all the MAGA shit that you like and actually get it done. And that's the whole campaign. Like, you don't, you didn't have to be TD, you know, you didn't have to go after Trump on everything like some of us who are never Trumpers do, but it's just, it's a simple message. Trump is a loser. Trump's stealing from you, right? With this money, like Trump's asking you for money to pay for his legal bills. He's a criminal and he's a loser and we can give you all the MAGA stuff you want without him. Instead of that, he did, he decided to have that Florida legislative session where it's like, I'm going to get to Trump's right on culture war issues and attack disney and 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 do don't say gay all the way into junior college instead of just kindergarten and all, all like all the other crazy culture war shit that he did and 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 i and that was just a fundamental mistake and and i don't know that it probably might not have mattered if the party's a cult of personality but he at least would have been in the ball game if if we had that kind of dark dark run from day one tim miller the bulwark dot com thanks so much for being here thanks billy
6: Howdy listeners, it's Mike, and you know, a lot has changed over the years. Just look at sports. There's instant replay, a three-point line, there were shifts and then not shifts. But one thing that hasn't changed over the course of all those things I just mentioned, the great taste of Miller Lite. That's right. It's so good. And it's also less filling. So what's the best thing about Miller Lite, the original light beer? Well, Miller Lite sparked this debate way back in 1975. We still haven't settled it. Be like me. I don't pick one. I like it because it's both. Miller Lite keeps it simple, undebatable quality. Great taste, only 96 calories. It's a beer that strips away everything that you don't need and holds on to what matters most. You don't have to choose what's best. Be like me, say both. Miller Lite, great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com Dan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs and premium regular beer. The Dan LeBetard Show with Sugats is sponsored by BetterHelp.
2: We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Keeping things bottled up can feel like carrying a weight that gets heavier with time. Whether it's talking to a trusted friend, journaling, or seeking professional help, finding ways to let out your thoughts and feelings can bring relief and help you navigate challenges more effectively. Remember, it's okay to reach out for help when you need it. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DLB today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-L-B.
3: Roy, how are you doing? Hey, Jim. You know, well, I notice, I notice that whenever I call in, sometimes it's Billy, sometimes it's Dan.
4: They're always angry. They're always yelling. There's always a lot of tension. Oh yeah. Why is that? It's it's all sexual tension, Jim. But but, but Roy, you're a
3: sea of calm throughout it all. No matter what chaos is going on around you, you are just a reed on the on the on the, the lake, just sort of just sort of floating along. And making the checks clear and God is and thinking that God is good. And, you know, and you just sort of it could be worse than being in Miami.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm a stoic individual, Jim. So, uh, you know, everything just
4: is just even. That's it. Roy is deceiving because. Excuse me? I, he is deceiving because he's like Zen-ish. Like he he gives off that air of Zen. But like whereas like me and Dan, like our tension is all extroverted. It's all outward. Roy is fucking seething on the inside. I yeah, mean, absolutely. like yeah, everything's like, internal. Right? I mean it's just app he is he is uh He's, he's just, three years he's he three years foil. from an
3: ulcer, is what you're saying. He is on three, three years right. from
4: an ulcer. I need to start drinking more milk. Yeah, he is like a kettle on a stove. Like I can you can't hear it whistling yet, but it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna happen yeah you know roy is a bright line train just cruising along you know on, on. you know i i pitched <laughs> i pitched the head of
3: Brightline. this is my favorite pitch i ever did on a story <laughs> they came in a couple of years ago and they were trying to do a good a goodwill tour and i'm sitting with them in the conference room they're head of pr the head of the thing some guy with an irish name he's actually irish i can't remember it now Hmm. And and uh, they were trying to do some promotion. And I said, I got an idea. I'd like to pitch you a story. And he went, sure, go ahead. I'd like to meet with the train engineers who have killed all those people. Like, because I got to think. Wow. Because No, no, no. Because here. But listen to me. I think it's a good thing. It would be an important and good story that they should want to do. If so many people commit suicide by walking out in front of the train. And in a way I think they think it's a victimless crime that they're only hurting themselves. But imagine being the guy in that lead car, seeing this person standing there and knowing there is absolutely nothing you can do to stop it as you plow them through that person. The psychological toll on that, and that's been going on for years. And I just thought that if you brought that out, if you had that moment where an engineer was willing to speak about the pain that I caused, it might ignore differently to how it affects people. And he just looked at me and he went, we'll get back to you. And then I never heard from them again. (laughs) There,
4: There are serial killers with fewer bodies than train conductors of the Bright Line, which for those of you who don't know, Bright Line per square mile is the deadliest train in the United States of America. Possibly the world. But, Jim, I don't know if I'm out of place here or out of line, but Jeremy, on the show, he commutes with the Bright Line every day. And he has been on the train when it's hit someone. And as a passenger, he said it's extremely traumatizing. He relayed the whole experience to me, which I won't. I've I've asked him to come on Because Miami to talk about it. And I think he once to bring on Brightline as a sponsor for him so we could so we could get unlimited Skittles in the first class train get those free upgrades but like it really sounds like a really upsetting experience and he's and he said like just the atmosphere in the train amongst the fellow passengers when this happens the train comes to a stop they make an announcement that there's been a trespassing incident that's the first thing that they say and then of course the murmuring through the Passengers are like, what do you mean? Did somebody get on the train who's not supposed to be on the train? And then they start to, you know, they hear the ambulance come, they hear the police, you know, they, and then they start to slowly reveal more information about what's actually happening. And it just sounds like a really disturbing and upsetting set of circumstances that I think you're right. It would be interesting to learn more about.
3: <laughs> but yeah, I pitched that and the guy just looked at me. The PR guy was amazed. But here, but here's the one thing that we can take away from this. At least the SkyTrain at the airport hasn't killed anybody because
4: it's not moving. Yet. How's that for
0: a
6: segue? A, wow. Yet, it still might kill
4: people, even though it's stationary. Great segue. So, well, it almost did. I mean the, the thing was literally cracking apart. Great segue. Run the clip. So then I started looking around and I noticed other escalators
3: were broken and elevators were out of service and the moving walkways were down. So I sent out a tweet saying, is Miami International Airport the worst run airport in America? Now, after my tweets, Miami-Dade Mayor Danielle Levine Cava held a press conference, which I'm told was in the works before I caused a stir. And the mayor seemed really eager to make that point at the start of her press conference. I want to be very clear. We are not here today because of a few tweets.
2: We are not here because of a couple of escalators or elevators. We're here because I have prioritized deferred maintenance since day one.
4: Okay, Uh, that's all well and good. (laughs) CBS Miami investigative reporter and the host of its popular Sunday morning political. show facing south florida jim DeFiti is here and to answer your question is miami international airport the worst run airport in the country yes when i say that miami has third world government and fourth world infrastructure nothing embodies that statement quite like mia this is one of the most vital pieces of infrastructure in the community it is the heartbeat of the entire economy Responsible for bringing people in and out of a tourism driven market. And it has been nothing but a money pit and ATM machine for the cronies of corrupt politicians in this community dating back three decades to Miami-Dade County Mayor Alex Pinellas. And nobody has done a damn thing about it. It is the first and last impression Of everybody who visits this community. And I got off the plane. Amazingly, Jim, last week for that press conference, I came back into town that night, late Thursday night, so I couldn't be there. I get off the plane, Roy. I exit my gate. Walk straight out. And I run into a sign that says, restroom closed for maintenance. That's the first. And then I went, ah, I'm home. I knew right away. Jim. You're
0: really making my trip to Las Vegas in a week and a half sound very pleasant.
4: Thank you. On the upside, you're going to a real airport. Like I came from LGA, which used to be Joe Biden once called LaGuardia a third world airport. And now it's like beautiful. And like so beautiful. I
3: still would. I still would eat the sushi at uh, at LGA though at Laguardia. Yeah.
4: I I don't eat airport sushi. That's not a thing that I that I yeah. do. But Laguardia is beautiful now. And then I wind up in Miami, and I'm like, this is this place has been under construction my entire life. I used to joke when I was a kid that the sign should say, "Welcome to Miami International Airport. We're sorry for the inconvenience," because that, like that's everybody's experience, Jim. Miami-Dade Mayor Daniela Levine-Cava, nothing says we're here because of a few tweets than her opening her press conference with, we're not here because of a few tweets. Even though that press conference might might have already been in the works, you ripped her on your show on Sunday this week, and then she appeared later on another Sunday show after she had a chance to watch your show, and she didn't really have an answer or an explanation for it. So tell me about your exp- your experience at the airport, and what did you how did you feel about the mayor's response? Yeah.
3: So, you know, the problem with the airport is they keep trying to expand, expand, expand. And so they start adding gates that are barely even in the airport. I mean, they actually (laughs) are on the tarmac like it's like I wondered if I was in Opelika at one point. When you go to gate D60, it's at the very far end. It's part of American Airlines, I guess. Part of America, I guess. It's right. And so you have to go. It is literally a mile. Uh, yeah. That's not like, a oh, it's a, I feel like I've walked a mile. No. no, it is a mile. Yes. In length from when you enter the airport to gate D60 to get onto your plane. That is how far it is. And so there used to be a thing called the Sky Train, which would run the length of the D concourse that would be able to, you know, take people to and from so you could get to your flights on time. But when I flew through to go to Des Moines and back to cover the Iowa caucuses in December, I left out of gate D60. The Sky train was down. It had a nice sign that said to close for maintenance. I thought to myself, great, that's my luck. I just happened to pick the couple of days where the train is undergoing maintenance and all right, I'll just deal with it. And I schlepped my way to D60. And then I came back from Iowa and it was still broken. And then I thought, "Okay, well, maintenance, uh, I guess it's more involved. And then a month later I went to Tallahassee and it was still down for maintenance. And that's when I started making phone calls. And I realized it wasn't maintenance. It was because that the, the 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 pillars that keep the skytrain up. The concrete pillars had major cracks in them that were suddenly discovered. A few first a few cracks, then they sent inspectors along the length of, of the entire thing and discovered a lot more cracks. And then they realized we got to shut this thing down before it collapses and kills somebody. And so that's when they created these signs that said down for maintenance. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, you know, when something is at the verge of killing people because it's so unsafe, that's not maintenance. That's a major structural issue. And my problem was, was that it went down in September. So by the time I flew in December, and then again in January, if I had known, I might've made other plans. But the public was never made aware of what exactly these problems were. And and in going to your point about Danielle Levine-Cava, the problem that I have with her press conference, look, I think it's good that she's now focused on, on you know, doing the type of maintenance that needs to be done. That she's investing the money to improve the airport. I'm fine with all that. But just take responsibility. Don't go to the press conference and blame past administrations yeah. for their failures. When you've been in office for three years and prior to that, you were a county commissioner for many more years before that. Six years. Yeah. So don't blame others. Just if she had just said, you know what, we made a mistake. We should we put this off. We shouldn't have. But I'm going to do what's right now. And we're going to get it taken care of. That would have been the end of it. But by blaming the past, by blaming others and not taking the responsibility on herself, then she opened herself up to criticism, and now you've got a guy like uh, the former county mayor, Congressman Carlos Jimenez, who, let's face it, isn't exactly the cheeriest guy in the world. <laughs> but you suddenly seed him the high ground so that he gets to come on and yell, well, it wasn't my fault, you know, and uh, she's been in office for three years. Why isn't she doing it? And now you got a feud and nothing good is accomplished from any
4: of them. the bottom line is, is when you read the sign maintenance, you thought that meant maintenance. Right. And this is going to yeah, be here yeah, to maybe
3: maybe maybe they needed to change the spark plugs <laughs> on the Skytrain. You know, maybe some maybe some of the seats need polishing or something. Some I don't oil know. Oil in the wheels. Maintenance. A little oil. Yeah, exactly. I take my car in for maintenance when I take my car in for maintenance. It usually
4: doesn't stay at the shop for six months. <laughs> well, the bottom line is when you saw signs and they're still up now that it's closed for maintenance. That's a lie. At the time that you first saw those signs, Jim, it was closed indefinitely. Okay. at the time they had no ETA as to when the work was going to be done. Not to mention this piece of infrastructure is 25 years old, maybe less, 22, 23 years old. We spent hundreds of millions of dollars on it. And if it had been done right the first time, there probably shouldn't be cracks that are this potentially fatal. At
3: well, this the, point. my concern was, why did these the cracks not show up sooner? In other words, they found some cracks and then they did a bigger
4: search and found a lot more yeah. cracks. Well, they did. They first appeared in about twenty twenty one and they were notated as minor cracks and not at all concerning. And two years later, all of a sudden it's shut this thing down immediately and I have a question, is anybody going to go back and look at the contractor, look who's, you know, T.O. or Primo got that deal and see if they did a good job the first time such that less than a quarter century later we're concerned about this? And I, and I want to stay on this definition of the word maintenance issue for a second. I want to play this rerun, this little clip here from the mayor.
0: We're here because
4: I have prioritized deferred maintenance since day one. Okay. Prioritize deferred maintenance. Okay, since day one. First of all, there's no. I'm, I'm not even on day one yet, but I will get there. Okay, deferred maintenance. There's no such thing as deferred maintenance. It's either maintenance or you're not maintaining it. If you're deferring it, then it's not maintenance. Number one. But to say I'm prior, I prioritize deferred maintenance. That's a double negative. You've added six. Syllables into that nine-syllable phrase that you don't need prioritizing deferred maintenance is simply maintenance. Okay Prioritize deference. That's what it is and further she says from day one but on the Sunday show after yours Jim she went on to say that She didn't even know how bad the situation was at the airport until she became mayor, which I mean I'll get to that in a moment, but then she said it took years years was her word to get the contracts to where she needed what. So she couldn't have prioritized anything from day one if it also took her years to get her act together and have a press conference just so happens by coincidence, Roy, this press conference about what a dump the airport is happens in an election year when she's up for reelection. So Jim, come on, dude.
3: All right. Well, so let's, let's take a couple of things here because I do, you know, I think, like I said, the airport is a major part of the, of this community, it is vastly important for the economics of this community as well as the seaport. Again, I think Daniello Vincalva could have done better on this. But what one of the fears that I do have, and I and I've told this to you in our conversations, I don't want this to be a pretext for Tallahassee and Governor DeSantis to swoop in and say we're going to take the airport and seaport away from Dade County control and create an unelected board that DeSantis donors
4: will get to sit on to oversee the airport. Why not? Why not, Jim? Are they going to do worse? I understand. I understand. I understand. They could very well do worse. The governor wants to hijack our multi-billion dollar revenue generating airport. So some of that, some of that, those kickbacks will go to him instead of our local uh, officials and the port. But like this is vital infrastructure. Could he do... And he wants to hijack it like he did Disney and the Reedy Creek Improvement District. But and of course, the what well, the Miami-Dade Expressway Authority will he do? Will they do so much worse than Miami-Dade County has done over the last 30 years? I have a basic
3: problem with taking away local control from local elected officials who, while we have a terrible ability to hold them accountable because people refuse to vote it still is an opportunity to hold them accountable. Whereas if you only have a board that is overseen by appointees, by the governor, who are often in other airport authorities that he's appointed to, major campaign donors, then there is no accountability. They're only accountable to the governor that they serve, as opposed to at least there's the there's the possibility of forcing a mayor like Daniel Levine Cava to hold a press conference and in an election year worry enough about the airport to actually do something about it an independent board and
4: authority i don't think you could ever hold them accountable when we come back more with cbs miami's jim defeated brought to you by the Brightline death train
1: spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. Spring's the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Challenge yourself. And Peloton's classes were made just for that. To challenge you, there's a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve what you already excel in. Plus, if you don't know which class to take to reach your fitness goals, guess what? You can join one of Peloton's many programs. Right now, I'm in a strength program with Andy and a core program with Emma. Their expert coaches like Andy and Emma and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. With Peloton, you don't need to worry about driving to the gym, making it to class on time. You can do it all from the comfort of your own home whenever it fits your busy schedule. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com.
2: When I was commissioner, these uh, items were not presented to us, right? We certainly looked at growth issues, and so certainly now that I'm responsible directly and I've been digging, I, I found out it took us a couple of years to un- unfortunately to change out the contracts so that we could be aggressively pursuing uh, these conveyances and that is what we are doing.
4: We're back with Jim Defiti from CBS, Miami who really has been highlighting, what everybody who comes to the city of Miami realizes when they get here, which is that this airport is not of this century. It's not even really of the last century. It's certainly not of a first world country. And that was Miami-Dade County Mayor Daniela Levine Cava not really responding to some of the criticisms that Jim DeFede leveled on his CBS Miami Sunday morning program later that same day. Jim, I find it very hard to believe, as she she's kind of alluding to there, and she has in some other videos interviews on this subject, that until she became mayor of the county three years ago, she was unaware of what a mess the airport is. She was a county commissioner for six years before she was she's been mayor for the last three. This is a twelve billion dollar a year budgeted county, and are they just so out of touch like once you get elected, you ha- you breathe that rarefied air where they have no idea what us plebes have to go through at the airport to get on a plane like she probably doesn't park in the parking lot and have to navigate her way from a parking space with no working elevators or walkways into the terminal building. Finally, when she gets to the terminal dealing with understaffed TSA checkpoints, then having to make her way a mile, literally a mile in some cases through terminal or D at the, like she just doesn't know. She probably gets dropped right off at the door, jumps onto a golf cart and gets buzzed away. Is that the problem here? Is it like she's just totally out of touch? There has been a history at the airport of, County
3: commissioners, and I don't know if Daniela has uh, partaken of this, but certainly there are commissioners who are given VIP status and have for decades. I mean, I can go back to Joe Gerson. Joe Gerson, you know, used to go up to the counters of American Airlines and demand to be given free upgrades to first class by yelling that he was the chair of the aviation committee and anyone who didn't give him a first-class ticket, you know, he'd cost them a, a gate, American Airlines a gate at, at MIA. So, I mean, that sort of stuff, hijinks has been going on for a long time. Look, I get it from Danielle's perspective. You know, if there's a problem with a contract, if there's a problem with a certain issue at the airport, you know, you hope to be brought in. But to your larger point, you're right. Anyone who's spent any time at that airport walking through it knows that it's not great, you know, and that if especially if you travel as much as the mayor does, you know, when you go to other cities and you see their airports
4: and you compare it to ours, I think you get that feeling. And you experienced women crying at the airport and people. Thought, yeah. like, what was your experience that you that so, you sent out that mean tweet, Jim?
3: So, uh, again, I was at the far flung gate d sixty. You know, I was there with my photographer. We were coming back from Des Moines. Uh, he had a bunch of gear. And the prospect of us actually walking the mile did not seem uh, seem great. So we actually waited for one of the golf cart trolleys that are <laughs> supposed to be running up and down the airport, you know, to take people through to come by. We waited. You know, it took about 15, 20 minutes before one of the golf carts came by. And we, you know, my photographer Leon and I, we load it up into the golf cart and we start going. And anyone who's ever taken one of these golf carts, it's a trip because the horn doesn't really work. So it mostly involves the guy driving
4: the golf cart just going, beep 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 out of the way beep as they run up on the heels of people like beeping with his mouth you mean with his mouth you know he's saying beep excuse me beep beep and he's like
3: and people got ipads on and he gets right up behind them you know and just goes beep beep you know and you know and these people turn and scatter and at one point you know This this poor uh, in this case, this was a woman at this time was so like clearly had had not had a break, just hustling people up and back that she turned to me and said, I have to go to the bathroom. And I was like, okay she said, I'm going to stop. And she stopped at one of the restrooms that actually was working and left me and my photographer and several other people in the golf cart as she went in to use the bathroom. And we're just sort of sitting there. People are walking by, and I help. I, I couldn't help but just as somebody walked by, I just went beep beep, you know, <laughs> just for the because I thought that's what I was supposed to do, sitting in the golf cart. We're we're going, and there was a woman who literally almost jumped out in front of the golf cart, hey. and then just
4: what is this? The bright line?
3: No, started pleading. No, no pleading. Can you please take my mother to baggage claim? I can't get her there. It's too far. Oh, no. And so, you know, we loaded her mother up on the on the golf cart to get her. And and it's just sort of like like it I it felt like it felt like, you know, I was on the roof of the American embassy in Saigon as the <laughs> as the last choppers were coming through. And this this woman was saying, Please take my mother. Please take my mother. You know, go on without me. You know, and and I, you know, I end up helping the woman myself. Two baggage claim, and she she didn't speak a word of English, and just stood there. And I went, okay, well, wait here. And then I left, and that was my and and that and you know people are upset by this, and I understand. You could have you could have called ahead and asked for a wheelchair, but I'm sure the woman wasn't thinking that I'd have to walk with my mother a mile in order to get to the baggage claim area. You know, yes, she could have, you know, waited for an empty golf cart, but where she was standing, there weren't going to be any empty golf carts. And so yes, you know, Miami deserves better, it should have better. Do we though? As I said, as I said, that you know, I'm glad the mayor is now focused on it and if it took folks lighting a fire under her or an election year, that makes my point before about, you know, holding elected officials accountable so that they can
4: then at least try to do the right thing. Or be forced to do the right thing in an election year. Before I forget, we're going to have to do a whole segment or podcast in the future about Joey Gerstin. Let's not open up that can of crack, but we're going to have to do that. Uh, And maybe we should get Adam Gerstin, the owner of Gramps and Winwood, on here, to talk about Uncle Joe. Because that is a hell of a story. Miami's second craziest Joe. Jim, before we go, though, I have to introduce the audience to Luby Navarro, former Miami Dade County School Board member. Here's a clip from a 2022 school board meeting.
2: Many people in the community don't know how much, how important faith is to us. But we have expressed that many times, and I know and hope that this item will pass today, not only with my support, but with the unanimous support, so that we send a message to our community that we have
1: one creator. One creator. And that is God and Jesus Christ.
0: Amen.
4: No, that was not a church gathering. That was, as I said, a Miami-Dade County Public School Board meeting, and they voted unanimously for a national day of prayer. I guess they had these shredder machines warmed up for the Constitution as well. But this Luby Navarro is a woman of faith. Jim Defiti, This is a woman who thinks of God in everything that she says and does, and that is the way she lives her life. And this is not just a Ms. Navarro. This is a Dr. Navarro.
3: Now, to be clear, when I refer to her as Dr. Luby Navarro, she does not have a medical degree or even a doctorate. She refers to herself as Dr. Navarro because in 2019, she was handed an honorary degree from the Catholic University of New Spain, which is located on the ninth floor
4: of an office building in downtown Miami. Jim, before we get into the status of her doctorate here, what happened last week with Luby Navarro?
3: Luby was arrested. Luby was uh, arrested by the Miami-Dade State Attorney's Office for accused of stealing $100,000 by running up bills on her school board-issued credit card. Basically, the, it was according to investigators, according to prosecutors, the scheme was a fairly simple one. She would use the credit card for all sorts of personal purchases, including a trip to with her mother to the Dominican Republic, a trip with her boyfriend to Las Vegas. Vegas, baby! Then, uh, then there was, uh, she would also con- use the credit card to buy gift cards, about $40,000 or more than $40,000 in gift cards, which she could then use to eat, read, either buy other items that she didn't want to have show up on the credit card, or she could give to friends and family members for them to use. So all totaled, it was about $100,000. Uh, She, let's be clear, she denies the allegations and her attorney, Ben Cuny, says that she will ultimately be exonerated. But right now she is uh, out on bond. She's wearing an ankle monitor and uh, she's
4: uh, not having a great week. Two things I want to add. Ben Cuny most recently represented another elected public official at trial, Joe Carollo and lost. Sixty-three and a half million dollar verdict so good luck to uh luby and to with her with her lawyer ben cuny but also roy this is a very important detail things that luby navarro bought with her miami-dade county school board credit card she spent tens of thousands of dollars outfitting her now ex-boyfriend's fort lauderdale restaurant like refrigeration units and various other pieces of, uh, you know, kitchen appliances and electronics really to curry favor with him because she did not want to let this man go. How do I know? Because one of the other things she bought with her Miami-Dade County Public School Board credit card is from Amazon. She ordered multiple silicone false bellies because she was attempting, allegedly, Prosecutors say to fool this ex boyfriend that she was pregnant with his baby so that she would not leave her. Real woman of God, this uh, lady here. Real woman of God. That is absolutely. We have one creator, one. I don't care about the Jews or the Muslims or the Buddhists or anybody. We have one creator in Miami-Dade County Public Schools. And that th- this woman, uh, I think she worships the almighty dollar is what I think. But
3: most of important- well, you also you also forgot she detectives also say they found two electronic tracking devices that were duct taped under the wheel well of her boyfriend's car and under the a front
4: grill so she could keep tabs on where he was going. Oh. She, this, this was a, she this was, was a good relationship. She was not going to let this guy go. I hope he doesn't have any pet rabbits. That was, a I boy- mean, Billy, you, 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 I don't know about you, but I expect more from a doctor of
3: that. I mean, you know, again, we don't know. We don't know. You know, she denies these allegations,
4: but but if they are true, it's very disappointing for someone who's a doctor. Before we go last minute, update us on the status. What did the new, what is it? The Catholic university of new Spain located in an office building in downtown, right down the street here from the studio. What, what is the latest? I, I, I
3: called the chancellor of the uh, Catholic university of new Spain. Chancellor. And I informed him that uh, his, one of his honorary doctoral recipients was accused of, and I outlined all the things that she's accused of. And he went, Oh, heavens, So that's not good. And uh, called me back about 20 minutes later to announce that they were stripping her of her honorary doctorate. <gasps> no, she's so, not a doctor anymore. Well, you can you can call Ruby Navarro a lot of things and people have and will. But one thing you will not be able to call her in the future is Dr. Ruby Navarro.
4: Jim DeFiti, CBS News. Jim, thanks so much for being here. Go to CBSMiami.com. Follow Jim's outstanding work. Watch him every Sunday morning. It's well worth it. And some of his fabulous documentaries are available online there, which we've talked about on this show. Jim, thank you so much. Thanks, Billy. Thanks, Roy. You know, Roy, it gets a little bit exhausting because, like, I go to these meetings to speak truth to power because I hear from a lot of people in and around the city, business owners, residents, and people who work in city government. you know There's hundreds of people in the city government who are being held hostage by this Miami Mafia, this toxic work environment of just fear and intimidation and threats, and none of them feel like they have a voice because If they speak up, they're going to threaten their livelihood. They're not going to be able to feed and clothe and shelter their children. And so I hear from them constantly, all the time. And they suffer from stress. They suffer from anxiety, clinical depression, some of them. One woman died. She was a civilian employee. She was a supervisor of the property unit in the Miami Police Department. She dropped dead in the police department, on the ground, in front of her husband and daughter, of what was allegedly a work related stress heart attack right there. Corruption is not a victimless crime. And there are people who are suffering in silence. And I had this, you know, little platform. And if I can help amplify the message or give voice to the people who feel like they can't speak for themselves, what you know, what else do you have a a platform for? And Joe Carollo. Has threatened me multiple times from the dais. Fortunately, part of the advantage that I have is I don't live in the city of Miami. I don't live in this mafia controlled territory where it would be a damn shame if something would happen to your nice home or business. And he has actually threatened me from the dais where he said if if little Billy little Billy Corbin lived in the city, I would send code enforcement to his house to mess with him, which, by the way, is a violation of the charter and now Roy the latest and the greatest is the ball and chain guys who have three lawsuits going against the city and Joe Carollo either individually or you know the government itself they have filed another lawsuit claiming that very charter violation that Joe Carollo was found by a court of law certified by a federal judge to have violated the Constitution of the United States and their First Amendment rights that by The Citizens Bill of Rights in the City of Miami Charter, he should be immediately removed from office. And he may very well be in the upcoming months. And also what happened is Judge Rodney Smith in the federal trial that they got a $63.5 million judgment against Joe Carollo for corruption last summer. He executed a warrant, as did the clerk of the federal courts in the Southern District of Florida. And that warrant, Roy, orders the U.S. Marshals To go to Joe Carollo's house, to his businesses, and seize all of his property. I mean property like his house, his underwear, his socks, socks, any real estate, cars. I think I'm going to wind up at some auction buying his mother's costume jewelry, and I'm going to show up to the next city commission meeting all blinged out like Walter f***ing Mercado. I'm sorry, you're gonna have to bleep that? Yes. Yeah, all that, the cans of that, Goya beans. That is his full name. <laughs> that is his full name, by the way, Walter F. Mercado. <laughs> and I don't rejoice in the what am I talking? Uh, about? Yeah, yeah, you're rejoicing. This is Coroyo Freud. This is like Shaden Freud 10X. You're doing backflips. I will tell you, Roy, I'm gonna leave you at this Miami moment with all of the news about the U.S. Marshals getting ready to come in and just. We'll see you next week. Cocaines.
3: Bad news for Miami Commissioner Joe Carollo. We are learning U.S. federal marshals have been directed to seize the assets of Miami Commissioner Joe Carollo.
6: U.S. Marshals a confiscar efectivo bienes y terrenos del comisionado de Miami, Joe Carollo.
2: A federal court has directed a U.S. marshal to seize cash, goods, and land from Carollo in order to enforce the more than $63 million judgment against him.
5: Back in November, a federal court ordered the city
4: of Miami to garnish the commissioner's wages. The judge is ordering one quarter of every city paycheck from Coroio be taken to do so. Coroio was found liable last
2: June, I'll remind you, after two business owners filed a lawsuit accusing the commissioner of trying to destroy their businesses as political retaliation.
0: Bring the popcorn.